Hey, we're so glad that you're here, and I want to say happy Thanksgiving because we're headed into that week, and I know it's going to be crazy. And we're in a, a, a series, and uh, what's the name of the series? The series called Overflow. Yeah, I always forget that. Overflow, where we're talking about giving out of the blessings that we've received from God. I'm going to tell you, uh, we've been blessed. I watch the news when I'm, you know, get this depressed by it, but I watch about Ukraine, and it's amazing what's happening in Ukraine where they're handing out bread to people, and there's no electricity, and I think about all that we've been blessed with. I mean, all that we have, and so we're going to challenge you today. I know you're excited if you've not been here in a while or you brought somebody new because we're going to challenge you at the very end of the service to give out of the overflow of what God has done in your life with regard to an offering. That'll be a part of what happens at the very end. So if you're wondering, we've been kind of building up to today, and this will continue. This is not a campaign. It's just the reality that we've been given so much that we have an opportunity to give back with regard to what God is doing in our communities all over South Mississippi. Now, today I'm going to tell you why we're going to do that at the end, because we have an amazing message, a stunning message, from a guy who wrote this down 2,500 years ago, almost to the year. And, and the crazy thing about the Bible is that it's timeless. I mean, you're going to hear today a message, and you're going to think, oh, Jeff just saying that about me. No, no, this was written 2,500 years ago, to the people of God who had rebelled against God, and that still happens. And, and God disciplined them because he disciplines his children. I mean, you know that if you love your kids, you're going to discipline them. You're going to try to train them and teach them, and sometimes that's difficult. And he used the Assyrians and the Babylonians to tear down the wall of Jerusalem. I mean, this is all history. This is not just in the Bible. This is history, okay? and to break down the temple and actually take the articles of the temple, the sacred place of God, into the houses of their gods in Babylon. And then, and then Cyrus, the Persian king, he took over the Babylonians, and, and God worked in his heart to send the people of God back to Jerusalem. And so they come back to Jerusalem after 70 years. Now, this is important. They get back to Jerusalem after 70 years, and there's 50,000 people, and most of them are young families. And, and they start rebuilding the temple, and then they get busy because they've got, like, to build their houses back, and they've got to get their kids in school, and, and you know, they've got education, they've, they've got hobbies, they've got life. And so life begins, and they forget about... They forget about worship. They forget about the house of the Lord. They forget about community. And, and friends, that is so easy to do. I mean, we've all done that. I mean, the American dream, that's really the religion of all Americans. We want the very best for us and the very best for our kids, and we'll use God on the side to make sure, you know, we have good karma and so that we can move forward. And the reality is, never before in the history of our country have we been more anxious and more depressed and more lonely. 
So the American dream doesn't seem to be working for us, just like the Jewish dream didn't seem to be working for the people of Jerusalem. And in that setting, a guy comes in, and he's not, I don't think, I, I don't know all this. I've been studying, trying to figure this out. But I don't think he was a preacher. I think he was a businessman. And God uses business people. Man, I, I love to be around business people because when God works in them, they know how to make things happen. And he comes on the scene, and he only writes two chapters. We only have two chapters, 38 words. He's only on the scene 90 days. And he says some things that change the face of that community. Matter of fact, if you will listen to me with regard to what the Bible says, you're going to realize this is the key to your life. Like, if you want to have a stronger family and, and you want to have a stronger sense of well-being and understanding who you are, you will listen to every word that comes out of his mouth. And his name is Haggai. Now, now how many of you have heard of Haggai? Just raise your hand. Yeah, Haggai. Haggai is like Haggai. Uh, that's his name, Haggai. And, and so I'm going to read from Haggai. It's in the Bible. And, uh, and so here's what he says, and then I'm going to unpack it for you, and you're going to be shocked at how much it has to do with you and me because people have not changed. I mean, humanity has not changed, and God has not changed. So here's the word of the Lord, Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And this is what the Lord says. Now, he's quoting the Lord, and so they're writing this down. He said, these people that have come back to Jerusalem after captivity, they say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. In other words, they've stopped building the temple. They've kind of given up on worship, and hey, we can worship, you know, wherever we are, and, and so it's no big deal. And, uh, and so, then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, and he says, but is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house of the Lord remains a ruin? Mic drop. I mean, you think, you know, I can get kind of crazy? This guy, think about what he's saying. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. He says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in your Gucci purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your way. So he said it two times. Go into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Because you expected much, but see, I turned it out to be little. What you brought home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house. Because it remains a ruin while each of you are busy with your own houses. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops, and I call for a drought on the fields and the mountains and on the grain and the new wine and the olive oil and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Now, then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltel, Joshua, son of Josedek, and the high priest and the whole remnant of the people, they obeyed the voice of the Lord and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people, they feared the Lord. 
Now, now, I hope you understand how important it is to have reverence for God, to understand he is in control of everything, that everything you've ever had in your life has not come just because you're really smart and you're really good and uh, you've worked hard, you made the most of your opportunities. No, it's because God has blessed you. He has poured out so many blessings on your life that, it, like my life, it's just ridiculous when I think about how good God has been to me. But here's the challenge we all face, and I'll say it for me. It is easy for me to drift. It is easy for me to take that for granted. And, and so this is the question that Haggai asked, and I'll ask of you. Why are you not taking your worship and Sunday worship and pouring into the kingdom of God, the temple, that's what it represented, why aren't you taking that more serious? And, and what would you say? I mean, why aren't you like more involved in worship and more involved in reading the Bible and more involved in helping other people and more involved in praying for other people? And why, why would you say, why, why aren't you more involved? What would you say? I'm too busy. This is 2,500 years ago. And the people are saying, the reason I don't do that more and the reason I'm not getting serious about worship and community is that I am busy with my life. And hey, God says, you're not too busy to build those paneled houses. He is digging them, man. I'm going to tell you, this guy, he's got to be a businessman because a preacher wouldn't preach like this. I mean, a businessman, like I'm just going to tell you like it is. I mean, you're, you're, you're shipping all of that panel Cypress from Lebanon. You're having it shipped down here 150 miles to Jerusalem, and you're building your houses, and you're doing your thing, and you're, you're educating your kids, and you're rocking and rolling, but yet the worship of the Lord remains in ruins. He's saying, you have forgotten something so important he said, don't you understand that the reason I allowed, God allowed you to be taken in captivity as exiles into Babylon is because you didn't put him first in your life? He says, what part of that do you not understand? He says, don't you remember the fourth commandment? You know what the fourth commandment is? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He says, you remember that the first day of the week is an important day of the week because it belongs to God. Now, now for the Jews, Saturday, okay, was a Sabbath. We get that. But when Jesus came, he changed the Lord's Supper from the Passover to his body and his blood, and he changed the, the, the Sabbath day from, from Saturday to Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week. He says, that is my day. He says, you mark that off. He said, that's old school. That's old school. No, it's just the Bible. He said, well, that's Old Testament. That's the Ten Commandments. Yeah, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't kill. Honor your parents, don't covet. That's in there too. You're not going to do those? He said, well, I'm just too busy. Brother Jeff, you don't understand. You're old. I mean, you're old and you don't understand. No, I had my grandkids all weekend. I know what you're going through and I'm sorry. I had them all weekend. Man, I'm going to tell you what, on Saturday morning, of all mornings, you know what time they woke up? 445. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? I thought I was having a nightmare. I, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Man, I had flashbacks. It's PTSD. But you know, the only person in the Bible that was too busy to meet with God, you know who that was? Satan. Job 1-7. 
All the angels gathered around. God was having a meeting, and, and Satan shows up late and leaves early. He goes, he says, where you been? He said, well, I've been, you know, roaming around to and fro throughout the whole world. Been a little busy. Been a little busy. See, only Satan is too busy to meet with God. You say, you're just trying to get me to come to church more. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the principles of the Bible. If you make Sunday like every other day, you're going to miss out. You're going to see cracks in your marriage and cracks in your kids and cracks in your business and cracks in your life. That's just the way it is. If you decide to make Sunday, you don't have to go to church. You can go wherever you want to go. I'm just saying, I want you to come here. But the reality is, if you don't mark that day off, the world won't mark it off for you. And he's saying to you, you need a day to let your soul catch up to your body. I'd like to do a series one day on just, on just soul care. And on how, like, I don't know about you, but after COVID, man, for like the last two years, man, I've been a funk, man. I've been, I've been going to therapy, you know, I've, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've gone to other places, man. I had just been just climbing because I had let my soul kind of kind of fall apart. And then COVID exposed all that. But when you give a day to the Lord and you turn things off and you turn God on, all of a sudden your soul catches up with your body. Your vows catch up to your marriage. You want to save your marriage? You want your marriage to be better? I'm going to tell you. You take the first day and you say, honey, now look, man, I'm going to tell you, you need to, we need to grow up. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say that Oh, so it sounds right. We, we need to lead. We need to grow whatever needs to be grown so that we can lead our families to say, hey, I know you've got this. I know you've got that. I know the kids have got that. But I'm going to tell you what, Sunday is God's day. It's not just a fun day, and we're going to spend time together, and we're going to love each other, and we're going to get to know each other again because there's not another day to do it. See, when you have a Sabbath, it allows your influence to catch up with your kids. And I don't know if you know this, but there's advertising agencies and marketing companies that they get paid billions of dollars to hijack your Sunday. Billions. I mean, there's all kind of options you have on Sunday. You think that's just, you know, just unique? I mean, do you remember when there were blue laws? You may remember blue laws. I mean, there was a time on Sunday you couldn't even buy beer. Can you imagine that? You couldn't buy gas. You'd have to buy gas on Saturday because Sunday was the Lord's Day. And the reality is we've moved so far past that. And, and, and even like, and I love the Saints. I mean, I love, I love professional football. I love all sports. I Man, I, I like to go all over. Like even the Saints, I, I'm just trying to think, and I know if you've got season tickets, you want to go, but they're terrible. To quote Charles Barkley, they're terrible. I mean, like, like right now, I could play quarterback for the Saints. I mean, just put me in the long snap. I could throw a slant. I mean, my goodness, they're terrible. John Wesley says this about the Sabbath. He says, if you lose the Sabbath, you lose the church. If you lose the church, you lose the family. If you lose the family, you lose the glue of community. And it's so easy to drift. You miss one Sunday, and then you, well, you know, we've got to be out of town the next Sunday. You say, you're making me feel guilty. No, no, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to get you to think about your life. Think about your schedule and how you're pushing it so far that, that there's things happening in your life that could be prevented if you just understand that, that, that one day, the one day is God's day. 
And there's nothing wrong with doing things as long as those things don't control your life. See, the reason we're drifting is it's so hard to determine your reality. It's so hard to think about where you really are. Now, now stay with me. You know, so I'm changing my voice a little bit. I want you to think about this. He says three times, two in the first chapter and one in the third chapter. He says, give careful thought to your life. He says, give careful thought to your ways. He says, give careful thought to your schedule. Where are you going to do that? I mean, what day of the week and what, what thing can you go to where you say, I wonder about my life. I wonder how I'm doing. I'm reflecting on God's. I'm just so grateful for this and grateful for that ZZ Top concert. I was there the other night. I saw a bunch of people there. And man, they were like, everybody griping about the music and how loud it is. And then I saw all these people there and the light shining in my eyes, trying to burn my eyes out. And, and there were spirits everywhere just moving around. And I saw an old man pushing like a walker down to the front like this to get down to the front. And the, the, I think the guy, seriously, I think the guy, the ZZ Top guy died during the concert. And I'm thinking, this is not a place to ask, how am I doing? How are you doing? This, this gives you a moment because the only place you're going to do that is, is when you're in an environment like this. How's your stress load? Are you too stressed? Are you too anxious? Have you noticed that maybe you're drinking a little bit more than you normally would? It's not just when you're celebrating, but it's like, you know, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. And How about your finances? How are you doing financially? Are you... How about your marriage? Let's go there. I mean, like, like, are you doing okay and you're married? Like, well, you hadn't thought about that. You know, I, well, I, I, yeah, I think we're, I'm, we're, still, we're still married. Really? I mean, but, but how are you doing? See, that's the dashboard of your life. When you think about how you're really doing, no other religion tells you to rest and reflect as a life-saving discipline other than Christianity. Christianity is the only religion that says you need to take one day, the first day, and you need to give it to God. It needs to be a day of rest and reflection and worship and building godly relationships because you won't find any time any other day. Listen, there is a reason that only 0.8% of the people in prison are of Jewish background because they understand the Sabbath. They understand being together. They, they understand how important it is to put God first. I did a little study. Do you know the average person? And I, again, I'm not trying to crush you. I'm just trying to get you to think, okay? I have, I have, there's nothing about me that wants to hurt you. I'm just, I'm just reflecting on this and, and thinking about my ways and thinking about where we are. You know, the average person who's really into their faith goes to church 18 times a year. 35% of the time. That's like three weeks of fantasy football. You know, that, that's about the amount of time. Four weeks of soccer. One week of eight-year-old baseball. I thought that was the longest week of our life with my grandson. Just like going on and on and on and on and on. And then we get 18 times a year. You say, well, well so what? Well, he says, let me tell you the results. And this is not that God is punishing you. He's just built it into the fabric of our life. 
He's built rest into your life. I mean, even God rested on the seventh day. When he created everything, he said it's good. He created man, he says it's very good. Then he created, you know, the Sabbath, and he said it's holy. Hey, God literally means holy day. And he's saying when you understand that, he says until you understand that, you'll be less successful. You'll plant much, but you'll harvest little. He says you'll be less satisfied. You will eat but not be full. He says you'll be less secure. You'll put a coat on. You'll still be shivering. You'll still be, you'll still be nervous. He says you'll have less savings. You'll put money in pockets with holes in it. So, so why don't we put God first in our life? Now think through this. He's saying, just come back to what you know. If you put God first, God will add these other things to you. That, that's how good God is. He says, I just want first place in your life. I, I want you to have my plan, God says, before your plan. And the people feared the Lord. They reverenced God. God stirred up their spirit. God's stirring up my spirit. And as they, they stirred up their spirits, God began to stir the people's spirit. You say, well, okay, we'll just we make this real simple. How do we do? Three things real quick that you can do in putting God first. One is your time. Just say, God, I need you to help me. But the first day of the week belongs to you. The first day of the week, I'm going to make sure that we're going to be together and we're going to go and worship, and we're going to not just worship, we're going to engage so that you can speak to us because we need at least one day a week, 18 times a year, is not going to get her done. We, we have this guy, Bobby Collins, one of my great friends, coached USM, uh, coached out in, in Dallas, SMU, and, and I, I noticed him one day. He was looking at his watch, and I thought, you know what, what a coach is doing? Because you know, I'm ADD, so I'm really thinking about you while I'm preaching. It's why sometimes I lose track. And, and so one day after church, I saw him, and he said, hey, I'm going to tell you, I'm sorry. I've checked my watch. He said, but I got, this, I got a tea time, and these guys keep, finally I told him, he said, look, boys, I, I'm, I'm thinking about my tea time during church. I'm not playing with y'all on Sunday. I'm going to go to church. I went, dang, you're a beast. The fourth commandment, the longest of all the commandments, four verses, 80 words, where he says, make my day an important part of your life. If, if you just do the fourth commandment, you'll do the first three. You'll put God first. You, you won't create any idols. You'll, you, know, you won't use his name in vain. You'll, you'll worship. And then you get to the fourth one. You know, this is my day. Make it holy. And then it connects to all the other ones. Honor your father and mother. You're going to eat lunch together. and uh, Steal, don't steal again. What did most of you do like, on Sundays? What did you do at home on Sunday afternoon? Those of you who went to church every week, what, what did you do on Sunday afternoon? Took naps. I mean, like my parents, like, you know, they, they even knew. You're not doing anything on Sunday. We're going to rest on Sunday. We're going to be together on Sunday. It's going to happen. You know, you, you're not going to kill or steal because you're going to be asleep. You know, think about that. You're not going to covet because you're not going to be on Facebook and FaceTime and Instagram and TikTok and, you know. You say, well, what are you going to do about the adultery part? Do you remember on Sunday afternoons when everybody would take a nap and you'd try to go up and check on your parents and their door would be locked? 
because they didn't want to be awakened. And, and it builds strong marriages. It helps you with all Ten Commandments. You give them your time. I had a guy ask me the other day, he's a young guy, smart guy, godly guy, and he was trying to make it complicated. See, you want to make it complicated. Like, when is Jesus coming back? Man, he'd come right now. Who's the red heifer? And all that? It's probably Putin. I don't know. It, I mean, like, I mean, I don't, who cares? I mean, like, like yeah, this, this, would you come to church on Sunday? I mean, like, this is not brain surgery, okay? This is not brain science. You, you know, just would you make the first day of the week God's day? I mean, th that's all we're asking. Would you give him his time? When I send seven days a week, we're just saying one day a week. Would you give him his time? Chick-fil-A, man. How many of you love Jesus' chicken? Praise the Lord. I mean, how many of you are like me today? You're like in mourning because like you're fasting because you can't eat chicken. Yeah. Do you know that? And, and Mr. Kathy, I interviewed him and talked to him for a long time about this and, and before he died. And do you know that Chick-fil-A makes more than McDonald's, Subway, and Starbucks combined? And taking a day off. Imagine that. Give him your time. Now here's, the, here's the hard one. Give him your money. Jesus talked more about money than heaven and hell combined. Because he knew the one thing that you were going to struggle with most, that was going to hurt you the most, was your money. He says, give the first fruits. Let me tell you, in the agricultural community, what that meant, when they had the first fruit of the harvest, the best crop would come in first. It was the strongest crop. It was the seed corn. He says, take the seed corn and give it away. Give it to God. You're going, you got to be kidding me, really? He says, take the fatted calf. I mean, like the strongest of all the calves that are born. He says, take that one. No, we get it, but that's breathing stock. No, no, take that and give it to the Lord. Trust that he can take care of you. He says, take your firstborn. If that's not enough, take your firstborn son and give him to the Lord. You had to go to the temple and, and two turtle doves for Jesus to buy him back to make a sacrifice in his stead so that you were saying, I'm willing to give my firstborn son to the Lord. See, the danger we have is, is the gift of making money, but not the gift of generosity. It'll destroy you. I'm not saying poverty is good. I've been poor. I've eaten that cheese. I've done it. That's not happiness. But the most miserable people I've ever known have had a lot of money. And they don't know how to keep it. They don't know how to keep it. How do you do this with taxes? And what do you do with that third house? And what do you do with this over here? And are they, you know, well, you got to tell me what I want to hear because I got to. Money back you funny. A lot of money make you ignorant. For that crypto, for many of you, how many of you had crypto? Had crypto? It's like kryptonite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sprout wings and flies away. That locked box and, uh, over at the bank, and you, it's, it's like a, a coffin. You pull it out and look in it and put it back. How about those stocks in your portfolio that are destroying everything you've invested? That's how quickly it's gone. You say, you're just saying this to get my money for the church. No, no, we haven't talked about money hardly any, and it's my fault because I'm afraid you'll say that. The reality is you gave more than you've ever given during COVID. 
I, I, I got with the Lord. I got alone with the Lord, and I said, amazing. I, I don't know how this happened. This is God. This is only God. I mean, you're not even here. I preached Easter standing right here by myself and preached, and after I got through, I went over there and cried like a girl. No offense to girls. So it's not about that. God wants to be a priority with your time and your money and your dreams. Your dreams. My dreams have been real simple. To marry my wife, of course, and have a good marriage, and we've had to work on that. But to have children. I prayed over all of the children when they're in her belly, and I said, God, just let them be saved. Or let them be the right person to be married to. And, and sure enough, all of them got saved. Some took longer than others. I won't go into that. But they all got saved, and then they all met somebody. And last weekend, I got my youngest daughter, and I came down the aisle. I've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, pushing all my blue chips in and all my money in and everything else. And, and you know, I said, God, help us. God. And then we get there, then I get down to the deal, and I just start crying, ho, 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 like that, just fell apart. Not because I was sad, but because of the goodness of God. Have the right dreams for your kids. It's not that they'll be rich or beautiful and, man, that passes away. But they'll know Jesus and love Jesus and follow Jesus. I have dreams about venture like like, I've, I'll give my life to venture. I'll die somewhere in the back, you know, bringing somebody water. Uh, we were at home. We were at home Sunday. Last Sunday, because of the wedding, I told you I was broke and broken and uh, broke financially. And, uh, and I was watching worship, and I said, Alicia, and I said a bunch of things that were not appropriate for church. But I said, you know what? That right there is what I'll give my life to. Turning Point Weekend we had 60-plus kids give their life to Jesus from all five campuses and one from the online campus. Yeah. I, I forget they have the Internet in Lumberton. Kid in Lumberton, okay, where is that? Shows up over there like, hey, I, I, I don't know. Hey, I'm here, and he gets saved. Two kids from Jones County, and we've been to Jones County like five minutes. And I think about, I'd be willing to do this. I'd be willing to give my life and all my money for just one, for Alicia. This past week, I, I, I did a life insurance policy for the church. And I try to let the staff know because they all want raises, and I see them looking at me in the parking lot. But I made the church a beneficiary, and they did the, the exam. They're still waiting on how much it's going to be because I'm, I don't know if you know this, but I'm like that, the specimen of health. And, uh, but, but I'm like, hey, it'd be worth it. For just one more person to know Jesus Christ. But here's the, here's the deal. If you spend all of your time, this is the clincher, and all of your money and all of your dreams on you and your house, Jesus says you're building your house on the sand. And storm's coming. But if you put Jesus first, you're still going to have a great house. You're still going to have all those things. But you put him first. You put everything in order. He's the cornerstone. You, you put him first. And when the storm comes, 
where that house is flat, your house stands for generations. I set my grandsons down the other day, and I got to quit it, but I set my grandsons down the other day. Of course, they're little kids, and I set them down on the couch. I said, look, first thing I'm going to tell you, they're looking at me. I said, you need to get saved as quick as possible because y'all lost. They, they're depraved. And they just looked at me and I said, yes, sir. I said, second thing is you take care of your cousins, all of them. I don't care if you go to jail. I'll get you out. I know people. Yes, sir. Generational. Building the kingdom of God. Till Jesus comes back. Give careful thought. Jeff, to your ways. Would you bow your heads, please? I want to say, first of all, I love you. <laughs> like, if, if there's a war, if it breaks out and, I don't know, the North Koreans or the Russians or whoever it's going to be comes into this area, I want to be with y'all because we don't play. Because we're a church for everybody, not just somebody. And today, when we have a time of giving, don't you feel any pressure to do anything you don't feel deeply about? Because we're doing well with money. We're meeting our budget. It's not about that. It's about the freedom that comes when you say, God... I need you. I will not do this without you. And I'm going to put this out there, my time and my money and my dreams. And I'm going to watch you work. Father, I love these people. I love you, Father. Everything I have is yours. I don't deserve any of it. I'm shocked at how good you've been. Bless these people. Bless them with an understanding that when they put you first, things work. It works. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.